This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on Insurance. I am an attorney who has retired from the practice of law and now spend my time producing, among other things, these videos and blog posts. Today I'd like to speak about the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution as it applies to insurance companies and litigation against people in the business of insurance. By law, insurance companies are understood to be persons who operate in the United States and are entitled to all the rights, benefits, and protections of the United States Constitution. The 14th Amendment provides, in clear and unambiguous language, quote, no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. If the law allows an insured to sue for tort damages as a result of a breach of the covenant of good faith and fair dealing, equal protection should allow an insurer to sue the insured for tort damages as a result of the breach of the same covenant. Some litigants cannot, under our system of constitutional law, be more equal than others. Yet, until a court agrees, insureds are and will continue to be more equal than the insurer. Although the courts may think so, the insured's breach of the covenant of good faith and fair dealing is also separately actionable as a contract claim, and that some forms of misconduct by an insured will void coverage under the insurance policy. Consider the California Court of Appeal decision Imperial Casualty and Indemnity v. Sagamonian, a 1988 decision that established in California the importance of the equitable remedy of rescission. The court in Agricultural Insurance versus Superior Court, a 1999 decision of the Court of Appeal, believed that contract remedies, quote, adequately serve to protect an insurer from the insured's misconduct without creating the logical inconsistencies and troublesome complexities of a defense of comparative bad faith. In so doing, the California Court of Appeal ignored the logical inconsistency and troublesome complexities of the tort of bad faith. What is good for the insured should be good for the insurer, and upheld the insured's demur to the reverse bad faith tort theories, and the trial court sustained without leave to amend, even though Obviously, the insurer was not being treated equally as it's insured. 
The Court of Appeal, explaining its decision, stated, quote, an insurer has no claim against its insured in tort for breach of the covenant of good faith and fair dealing. A breach of this covenant is, at base, a breach of contract. A relationship including specialized circumstances of reliance and dependence is necessary to transmute such a contractual breach into a tort. In Kransko v. American Empire, a California Supreme Court decision from 2000, the California Supreme Court agreed with agricultural and held that, quote, an insured does not bear a risk of affirmative tort liability for failing to perform the panoply of indefinite but fiduciary-like obligations contained within the concept of insurance bad faith. Such circumstances do not exist in the context of an insured's responsibilities toward its insurer or in the reciprocal context of an insurer's legitimate expectations from its insured. Close quote. To paraphrase what George Orwell opined in his novel Animal Form, some litigants are more equal than other litigants. Since both the insured and the insurer freely entered into the contract of insurance, it would appear only fair if one is allowed to obtain tort damages for breach of the covenant of good faith and fair dealing the other should also have the same opportunity. An insurer can commit and is obliged to pay tort and punitive damages if it breaches the covenant of good faith and fair dealing. An insured who is totally evil, whose only interest in the insurance agreement is to defraud the insurer, who refuses to cooperate with the insurer's investigation, who does everything possible to harm the insurer, cannot commit the tort. The agricultural court did not allow, but did allow, if the facts were available, the insurer to write, the right to sue and prove fraud, but not bad faith. Fraud requires some specific intent and is very difficult to prove, while insurance bad faith is a much easier concept to establish. The agricultural decision is as logical as stating that men can commit a battery while women cannot commit the tort of battery, regardless of how viciously the victim is battered. It is a statement that equal protection applies to all citizens of the U.S. except insurers, since they can only be the tortfeasor and never, ever the victim. Because of the lack of equal protection, plaintiffs' lawyers and their clients take advantage of insurers and use their wits and energies to set up the insurer for a case claiming the tort of bad faith. Consider Wade versus M. Costco Insurance Company, a 2007 decision of the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeal, where the Tenth Circuit recognized 
that the undisputed evidence in the record showed that plaintiff's counsel's sole reason for rejecting the insurer's offer of settlement made after the running of an arbitrary deadline was his hope to pursue a bad faith case against the insurer. As a result, the Tenth Circuit refused to allow the plaintiff to pursue the bad faith case and noted that although the impetus for insurance bad faith claims derives from the idea that the insured must be treated fairly and his legitimate interests protected, it is designed as a shield for insureds, not as a sword. Courts should not permit bad faith in the insurance milieu to become a game of cat and mouse between claimants and insurer, letting claimants induce damages that they then seek to recover, while relegating the insurer to the sidelines as if only a mildly curious spectator. Logically, insureds who are wronged by their insurer should limit their recovery to contract damages as it was until the law was changed by the California Supreme Court decades ago. They should be compelled to waive the tort and sue in assumpsit, the common law name for breach of contract. If the tort of bad faith must exist, it must be applied equally. The abuse of the tort of bad faith has become so extreme that the tort must be eliminated or otherwise made fair. If there is a tort of bad faith as the courts of both states now hold, the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution requires equal protection. An insurer who is wronged by its insured should have the same right to tort damages and punitive damages for breach of the covenant as can the insured. No litigant should ever be more equal than another. In my personal experience as the lawyer who dealt with Mr. Sagamonian, who eventually became the lead party in the case Imperial versus Sagamonian, I spent 15 years dealing with a person who we knew had caused a fire to occur at his dwelling, who knew that the claims presented were clearly false and fraudulent, and had to litigate with the gentleman for more than five years, who then had, after a summary judgment was granted allowing the insurers to rescind his policy. He appealed first to the Court of Appeal, who affirmed, and to the California Supreme Court, who refused to take the case. But that wasn't enough for him. He needed to punish the insurer. And in so doing, he sued the insurer's adjuster for losing the debris from his dwelling debris that was worth absolutely nothing and that had cost the insurers thousands of dollars to store while the case wended its way through the Court of Appeal. Eventually, 
His co-conspirators insurer paid the insurers the money they had spent defending the lawsuit and collected over $500,000. But Sagamonian, who instigated the arson, who caused it to occur, who created the fraud, walked away without spending a dime. His lawyer, working on a contingency fee, lost whatever he invested in the case. But the insurers who had been defrauded, who had been the victim of an insurance fraud, were unable to gain more than indemnity for the monies they spent to defraud their insurer, his insurer. And even to the point when the case was tried as to how much Sagamonian and his co-conspirators owed to the insurers, he threatened to kill me as I walked up to testify at the trial. And I needed to have the assistance of the court bailiff to protect me as I left the court after completing my testimony. Punishment was avoided. No criminal charges were brought, and the insurers had no right under California law to sue Sagamoni and to get additional tort damages from him for his bad faith conduct. This video was adapted from my book, The Law of Unintended Consequences and the Tort of Bad Faith, available as a Kindle book and as a paperback from Amazon.com. If you found this video to be interesting or of use to you, please forward a copy to your colleagues since it's free and please subscribe to my blog and to my youtube channel so that you can hear about and be warned about new blog posts and new videos thank you for your attention